Welcome to the Battleground Wisconsin. My name is Matt Brusky, and I'm the Deputy Director here at Citizen Action Wisconsin. Welcome to what is beginning to be maybe the first little taste of fall, which is just an amazing time in this great state. And, you know, the one thing that never changes here is our politics is crazy, and we're going to dive into it. We have a lot to talk about. Um number of interesting things We're, we are going to talk about more about robin voss and his effort it's quite a circus to follow what he's been up to the last couple of weeks but robert's going to give us an update on uh his, a new op-ed he has justifying his, his latest behavior we're going to dive also into the uaw strike priscilla called last week for president biden to get his butt into the game. And he did that this week. We'll talk more about that. And also that this strike now has expanded as of this past week into Wisconsin, Hudson and Milwaukee. Um, We'll talk more about that. We'll play some audio from one of the rallies, um, but just also want to talk more broadly about this issue, the role of the president in this, and also our role, right? And how we need to get out there and support these folks. There are picket lines, 7 a.m. to 7 p.m., talk more about that later. Lots of other things. Robert actually suffered through the president, the uh, Republican presidential debate, although that is generous calling those folks presidential candidates. We'll talk more about that with Robert later. We look forward to that on a much more sobering mo- we, uh, note. We will talk more about gun violence and the, the new National Office of Gun Violence Prevention. So, uh, however, big news, we will be joined by Secretary of State Sarah Godlewski, we talk more about her office and the efforts by the same goofballs. We're going to start the show off uh, to basically get rid of her, challenge her, (laughs) make her life hell, right? Basically use largely undemocratic or marginally democratic efforts to harass the secretary of state. But we'll hear from her directly. Let's talk. Let's get started. I want to talk about what's going on here. We are a state show. We're going to be light on uh, stadium talk this week, even though there is news on that. And I'll just say that is a moving target, right? Voss introduced their plan. Um, We have good information that Senate Democrats are just wholeheartedly unified against this, which is encouraging. But we'll talk more about this in future weeks uh, because there will be uh, a lot more news coming down the pike. But Priscilla and Robert, let's talk about what Robin Voss has been up to around this it's not a plan. It's a scheme because we all know he doesn't actually support any kind of nonpartisan or independent <laughs> redistricting because redistricting and using every last ounce of it for power building is Ben Robin Voss's modus operandi. But Robert, this week, he's got an op-ed defending his, shall we say, come to Jesus, sudden 180 on redistricting and Come on, Robert, tell us more about this. And then Priscilla, I want to hear more from you after Robert lays out what what the hell Robin district is. Robin redistricting Voss is saying to justify his latest behavior, Robert. Yeah, I, I would not undersell this as far as a political threat. It's absolutely disingenuous, which I think is the spirit of what you are saying, uh, because he says that, you know, 
we have all this endless lawsuits and that around redistricting, and that's a problem. Like he would care about a lawsuit that led to more power for him. This is why we have all those lawsuits because of the power grab that people are uncertain what district they'll be in. And that's unfair. He would not give a damn about that if it produced more, a bigger majority, an override majority, and that they could rule the roost. Okay. So it's full of disingenuous stuff, but. It is true that Governor Evers, who has had a much more loose talk than people realize over the years, uh, did say he supported Iowa-style redistricting without really understanding that Iowa-style redistricting is still controlled by a legislature, and you couldn't trust a Robin Voss legislature to allow it to be nonpartisan and objective. And so it's a kind of, the play is this, I think to make the Democrats look like the ones that Jerry want to gerrymander and want to make and want to have the politicians select the maps, which I know is not true and is absurd. But given the level of public information, we also need to consider that it's a narrative he is trying. And if they can muddy the waters enough, then maybe they can get away with impeachment of Janet Protasewicz, which apparently I'm reading by his delay, his getting secret advisory panel of former Supreme Court justices and this, that he thinks he at least needs to make more political preparation to do. And so we should take this very seriously without taking him seriously as someone who is an honest broker. Priscilla. Yeah, uh, just looking quickly over this uh, op-ed, which is also like the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel always likes to say that they don't like to publish op-eds anymore. And then, oh, Robin Voss happens to get his op-ed in there. But anyway, uh, just him saying that, oh, it's, it's, uh, you know, the legislators represent our our state and that we also want to remove politics from this like those two are oxymoronic statements they don't go with each other uh and also saying that he wants to restore confidence in the electoral system while also pushing for impeachment of somebody who just got elected by the electoral system so <laughs> it's problem. yes just a like little tiny thing of like we're going to restore your confidence in it but also we'll impeach anybody that we don't like that you've elected i mean they've been talking about impeaching tony evers for the last like four plus years now and i'm sure they'll bring it up again once janet's impeachment dies out or however it's gonna play out i'm sure they'll move on to tony and the rest of the state too so uh yeah he's just you know, I'm I'm sure the MJS gave him gave him a platform to spew all of his ramblings and he really thought he was doing something here and more than just confusing people. He's like, oh, Iowa, they did something good. We'll just like clamp on to Iowa. And he clearly knows so little about the Iowa redistricting process, because what he is, again, proposing is does not actually fit the Iowa process. Look. look. This is frustrating because Robert's point is that Robin Voss's audience is not anyone who listens to this podcast or anyone who listens even to a podcast that Robin Voss rants on every week, right? Because they're not the general public and the general public doesn't follow this. So they will just, if and when they get around to spending millions of dollars on communicating around this, will just hear this for the first time be like, well, of course that makes sense. And you know, and that's why you you have some Democratic lawmakers. There were rumors have been squishy on this and we're squishy on this. And there's been a lot of efforts to make sure that they're not. But 
And I, so I hear Robert, it's all very real. Look, this is all very real, but here's the problem. And I, this is a, where I have a disagreement with what's going on right now. And I've talked about this before. We are operating like we're in a functioning democracy and we keep playing like it's a normal functioning democracy. The other side is not. And so they use all of the norms of democracy, which are in this country, 50% plus one. How do we create cooperation? How do we create compromise? Well, if you opt out of that, right? Like then every place of compromise is a place of power, right? Potentially. And so that's where we're in. And until the Democrats and our party and we all start operating like that, instead of operating like, I'm not going to say lemmings, but just sort of like legal lemmings, like, like it's 19... I don't know, 60, 70, 80, 90, and it's a different world word. That's what's trading. So, Robert, I share your, you're absolutely right. Robin Voss is 100% serious about this, and you laid out what his plan is. It's ridiculous on its surface. And the minute we start talking about it in very serious ways and not just being like, look, on the surface, right? This guy's been fighting this all along, and now suddenly he's for it. Like everybody knows that that's not credible. And he's incredible, but we're in this weird situation where most folks are, folks are checked out. Fortunately, that is not our listeners. <laughs> Robert, I wanted to give you any final thoughts. Priscilla, any other final thoughts you had on this before we move on? Robin Boss's name recognition is very low. So he's just, they're just trying to muddy the waters enough to make enough cover. And so it it it's it just like with Donald Trump, it does not matter that it's a absurd policy. It does not matter that he's lying and he's insincere and that the op-ed is full of internal contradictions. It matters in a sense if we were talking among ourselves or taking him seriously, but we I'm I'm what what matters I think right now is the threat of a further further power grab that allows them to continue to have maps based on one election in 2010 that that guarantee only one side can win and therefore Wisconsin's not a functioning democracy without a legislative branch where in a 50-50 state, either party could hold a majority. Again, all that matters, that that requires us acting like that as a party. But, you know, we we still have, for example, just for example, an attorney general who finds a way to not prosecute, not to use an actual legal lever that you know, and find it said, well, the Fed should do that, right? Like, really? We find ways and operate. And, and by the way, there's good legal reason for in the old system for why he would have said that. In the current system, it's laughable. It it allows us to just we're playing a different game right now. That's what's very frustrating. So I hear you, Robert. But like, I don't know what to do about it until our side continues to wake up. Um Anyways, Priscilla, I want to give you one final. Did you have anything else you wanted to say on this? Um, I guess my final uh, thought is just like, this feels so frustrating. Like, they just keep trying and then they say they're so busy. Like, oh, look at all the things that we're doing. And it's like, yeah, we're doing things that none of your constituents actually want. Uh, so just i just yeah. want fair maps that's that will be what i end on i just want fair maps so we have like a real shot of getting some of these people out of office that that'll be what i end on <laughs> and my concern is the facts 
as accurately presented by Robert are depressing. And so that's the situation, right? And that's where we're at. Because if Robert's right, if they, by the way, they have the votes, they can just do what they want to do, right? And they can muddy this up. So that's depressing. And and so unless there's an alternative strategy, so, and and by the way, like what, how do we do that? I guess we just go on podcasts and, and yell and scream and shout. Folks, you're listening to the Battleground Wisconsin. We're citizen action. We're just kidding. We'll talk more about how we (laughs) never stop fighting. We have a lot of stuff coming up. Uh, You're listening again to the Battleground Wisconsin. We're Citizen Action. We appreciate you all. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Battleground Wisconsin. Need to talk about the UAW strike. It's uh, super important. Let me just lay the groundwork. We talked a little bit about this last week. Um, this is this is everybody's fight. Um, this is not just about the auto workers. This is a it's a critical fight that they win because they're doing it on behalf of, quite frankly, uh, the economy. I would argue my vision of what the American dream ought to be. And so it's it's important that we all find our agency and step up in this and realize that it is important for us to show up and support those workers who are on that picket line every day, seven to seven. So Priscilla last week, you suggested it was vitally important for president Biden to, to show up and actually show up on behalf of workers. I believe you've made that critique before. Um, He did. He did. You're, you're, You're just your immediate thoughts on, on that and the broader context of also the strike this week expanded here into Wisconsin. Yeah, um, I'm I'm glad that he he did. I think like uh, as as if y'all have been listening, uh, you know, I rarely uh, praise that man. But like, I'm I'm glad that he that he did that he listened to people saying like, no, you need to to show up like I, I think there's a there's a tiny little bit of me that wishes he would have like visited other pickets too because like this is a big one but look at the the writers were on strike for what 150 days and he didn't say anything about that and that one was also nerve-wracking because of the ai situation in there you know ups was going to go on strike and he didn't say anything before before that happened so i'm glad that he is he is truly showing that like if he's going to call himself the most pro-union president of all time like that's that's what it's going to take is for you to continue to be a pro-union president and unions mean strikes and workers rights and this is what needs to be done um it's it's also frustrating to hear people try and make light and little of it where they're like oh it's just an election year like yeah it's an election year and it was an important time but like he i i believe he would have showed up had it not been an election year and i hope that he will continue to prove that in the next four years oh oh my priscilla i feel a softening like a a a softening um just a little softening around this But, but hey look thank you for sharing it's instructive because and we're going to talk more about this right there's a whole lot of people out there that still are not on the Biden 2024 train and we are going to uh, you know the polling and so 
this represents an effort, hopefully, to like understand who his base is and who he is either going to win or lose with. Robert, your thoughts. And Robert, if you have any thoughts also about the expansion here into Wisconsin, um, and I'll just say shout out to a lot of our members and Jeremy Gregg, our organizer up in uh, the Northwest uh, Citizen Action Organizing Co-op. They went out to the Hudson strike over the weekend to show solidarity. And Robert, I know you and I and some other Citizen Action members were down in South or down in Milwaukee in the Bayview neighborhood uh, at a rally that the Milwaukee Area Labor Council put on yesterday. Your thoughts, Robert? The strike itself could be an historical turning point for rebuilding the labor movement in the middle class, but only if we win this election and then also get the labor law reforms we need to open up real organizing rights, a, a, a democratic right under the UN Charter um, in all the industries to where it's blocked, like your Amazons, like your Starbucks is great what individual workers have done, but going store by store will take centuries. I mean, they've set this up so... Workers are limited even when they're heroic. Same with Amazon with the breakthrough in New York. And so this is and this is tremendous in that uh, you have a, the first U.S. president ever who the mo- arguably the most positive pro-union statement. He said that record profits require record contracts, getting the narrative out that UAW workers make massive sacrifices to save these companies in the Great Recession when they were bailed out by Barack Obama, and now they feel no, because this is modern capitalism and corporate America. No loyalty back once they're doing well. They just want to give Wall Street every dime they possibly can. And in Milwaukee, we were in front of a uh, plant where they're disinvesting in this plant. It's a uh, parts distribution uh, and manufacturing plant from Mopar, which does the parts for what used to be called Chrysler, uh, it's been it owns it's owned by a different company now, uh, with some kind of alphabet soup name. Uh, so, but the third of the big three, and it, this is also part of what's going on. They're trying to get out of have of they find the cheapest labor, exploitable labor possible wherever they can. That is the game of all of the big corporations. Now, as to Biden, I just. Here's what here. It's really important the pressure stay on because I think the pressure you heard from the younger generation, represented by Priscilla on the battleground Wisconsin, is heard by this president and doesn't let them sit on their laurels, right? Because they still know. Because and at the inside level, Bernie Sanders and Alexandria Ocasio Cortez and others are pushing, 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 right? But there's also a constituency that will because there's a lot of push the other way. The reason no president has ever gone to a picket line is because presidents, by definition, are also always leaders of diverse coalitions with all sorts of tensions and conflicts. And there's always been a part of even a progressive Democratic Party that is connected to corporate money. That's who funds the campaigns and uh, economic analysts who are worried about labor costs and the like, like a lot of the former Obama officials are panning the UAW. And these are Democratic, allegedly economic advisors. And so it's a big deal that he took such a uh, strong stand. Priscilla's right. Let's have more and more. And then let's get the governing majority we need to get over Manchin and Cinema and actually do labor law reform and restore democracy to the workplace. So but I think uh, because I'm dedicated to creating a a, a, a strategic left, 
we do need to understand that a president or a leader of the Democratic Party is going to be, always going to be a coalition leader and they're not going to be a movement leader and be exactly like us and do everything as we would like. But we're in a process where we're trying to get as much possibly as we can. And this guy has gone more to the progressive lane and listened to progressive voices because of organizing, because of the uh, public opinion, the progressive nature of the Democratic uh voting block and record numbers of progressives that are in office in Congress and other places that are pushing the, the coalition. So this is an advance for us. We shouldn't be just wringing our hands with Biden, but we got to keep him accountable. But what we should be doing is thinking about how we keep the pressure on and keep making this an even more progressive Democratic Party. And we've done better nationally than in Wisconsin. Uh, we, I've talked about that. I'll stop now. But in Wisconsin, we got a lot of work to do to make this a more progressive Democratic Party. Look, Brian, um, our producer, I'm going to ask that you play the clip of some of the speakers at the rally here in Milwaukee. And it's important for us listeners not only hear the message, but just to remember, like, our agency matters. Please get out and support them. And uh, then we're going to take a break. When we come back, we're going to be joined by Secretary of State Sarah Godlewski. I want to bring you a message from the Wisconsin AFL-CIO of solidarity and strength. Because your fight is noble and your fight is just. Yes. You are out here because you are working to better the lives of your co-workers, and your families. And what you are doing is not easy. Being on strike is not easy. This is a sacrifice. And I want to say to you, brothers and sisters, thank you. And I want to tell you that we will be here with you until the end. All right? Because when we come together, when you come together, Local 75, you have power. When you come together, UAW, you have power. When all of the affiliates that are here with you now, when we all come together, we have power. So when I say union, you say power. Union. 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 That's right, brothers and sisters. You are not asking for $24.8 million as the top negotiator for Chrysler's getting. You're asking for a fair share of the pie. You're asking for get rid of tier. There's nothing worse than a union divider than two tier. There's nothing worse. Because when when that person initially comes in, they may be a little happy. After a period of time, all it does is create division, arguments, and animosity. So two tiers out. It's gotta go. I can tell you this, the retirees wholeheartedly support the active workers. You came from us, and the future generations will come from you. Folks, you're listening to the Battleground Wisconsin. Uh, Again, we're Citizen Action. You can find us at citizenactionwi.org. Welcome back to the Battleground Wisconsin. Again, we are very fortunate to have the Secretary of State, Sarah Godlewski, with us. Secretary, how are you? I'm good, Matt. It's great to be here with you guys. Yes. Well, we really appreciate that you took the time to join us. And 
you reached out to me a few weeks ago and kind of let me know that the effort, the effort against you by, I'll just say it, these mega legislative Republicans um, to go after the office, go after you personally is not ending. And and you would like to just educate our listeners a little bit about what's going on and just make sure they know and also preview how we're going to continue to educate and fight back. But Sarah, please tell our listeners what's been going on in the Secretary of State's office and why you wanted to come on and talk to him today. Yeah, well, Matt, I think we all have been front and center seeing the Republicans kind of campaign with mis and disinformation. Like they want to cause chaos. And while they're trying to cause chaos and confusion, they're piecing apart democracy, whether the that is trying to impeach Janet, somebody who won with 11 points, to literally their fair maps, like shenanigans that they're trying to say they all of a sudden care about fair maps, um, to even, you know, something that we know continues to linger is they've got a fake elector that's still serving on the Wisconsin Election Commission and haven't done anything about it. And so I think for them, they're like, where else can we cause distraction from these realities. And um, I'm unfortunately, me and my office are no exception. And we've been seeing this, whether it was the conspiracy theory about how I even got into this office, which I will tell you, I had no idea when the governor asked me to step up and serve. But when he asked you, you say yes, and literally was sworn in my Packer pajamas at 8 a.m. on a Friday morning as like my kids running. That's very scanny of you, uh, Secretary. Yeah, it was one of those things, Matt, where they said, look, Sarah, we know we asked you to serve on Wednesday. We need to swear you in by Friday, (laughs) but we need to do it before midnight. And they didn't exactly tell me what time and so at 8 a.m i'm getting a knock on my door as i'm like a lot of parents and i'm sure listeners i'm trying to get my kid out the door to go to school and they're like knocking on my door they're like we're here to swear you in and i'm like wait it's not a ceremony like there's no uh like judge or anything and they're like nope we need you to like take the oath fill out this paperwork and there i was in my packer pajamas and my hair up in a bun um so yeah it was pretty, pretty wild. But the latest, one of the latest, Matt, to that point is Will, the Wisconsin Institute of Law and Liberty, is suing me because they want records on the conspiracy. And they're saying that I am failing to do my job, but we don't have any records because there's no conspiracy. So uh, and further, we're, you know, we're working to modernize the office, but there's nothing there. So um this is just yet again, another attack and things that they do instead of trying to allow us to serve the people, they try to cause distractions. Priscilla. Yeah. Um, you, you already answered one of my questions that I was going to ask, which is like, wow, you really stepped into it. Um, <laughs> and probably didn't see yeah any of this, not that any of us see any of these things coming though. We know Republicans are, uh, are Republicans. Uh, but yeah, I want to talk about too how you're modernizing the office because you've been doing some really cool uh, stuff. You've got some really cool stuff proposed as well. And I think it's one of those 
offices that people just know we elect every couple years they see it on the ballot and they go cool secretary of state i don't know i'll pick this person so yeah how are you how are you modernizing it how are you telling people know what exactly it is you do and what you want to do with the office no it's it's a great question priscilla and this will kind of put it in perspective so i remember when i was appointed i started getting these congratulatory letters from the ambassador of Taiwan and Brazil and like all of these different places. And I'm like, why am I getting these kind of letters? And it's because we are basically the official representative for the Department of State in Wisconsin. So if you want to expand your business overseas or you want to adopt a child or study abroad, we are the only office that can authenticate your paperwork to do that. And so we're talking about 14,000 cases that we do, for example, a year. And right now, if you would like to do that, Priscilla, you have to come and visit me in my office, which you're always welcome. The doors are always open. We'd love to give you a tour. Um, Or you have to use snail mail. So we're like not in the 21st century and we're not in different languages. And so we right now are making sure these services, whether it's with business or personal are accessible online. We're meeting folks where they are. We're translating all of our work into Spanish and Hmong because we've got to make sure we can communicate with all constituents here in Wisconsin. Um, So that's some of our work. We're also really focusing on transparency. So I'm like the record keeper for the governor, the legislature, and for local government. I do a lot of working with clerks and collecting like oaths of office and redistricting maps and things like that. And so we want to make sure that you can go on our website, search all of that stuff pretty easily um, and digitizing all of that work. So it might not be the most glamorous stuff, Priscilla, but I will tell you it's key to government operations. And at the end of the day, um, it's about making sure that we're, we're serving Wisconsin and meeting folks where they are. And uh, it's it's underway. Yes, I love to hear that. I will take you up on that tour uh, as well. And I'm excited that someone like you is is doing this work and trying to, yeah, it's not glamorous. A lot of this stuff isn't glamorous, but like you're doing it and you really stepped into it and are doing well for your first couple. I don't know, has it even been like a couple months now? It all happened yeah. so fast. Yeah. Well, it's funny, Priscilla, people were like, oh, I mean, Sarah, this has got to be easy compared to the treasurer's office. And I'm like, I almost feel like the treasurer's <laughs> office, when I transformed that office, was training for this office because this was in a much different state. Um, and I would say was a lot further behind. And so um, there's a lot of work to be done, but we're rolling up our sleeves and doing it. So, so Robert, you get the next question for one of the few people to hold two state offices of our what are, how many constitutional statewide offices are there um we won't talk about a third or fourth robert next question hey hey sarah um so by the way i was going to say the problem with what fresh democracy is is that once you make a conspiratorial claim people on whichever side it is are going to just doubt things just like it seems impossible to convince uh, Republicans that they're they have found no credible evidence that Joe Biden did anything wrong, let alone commit impeachable offenses, and then they can't even answer for their own evidence when they roll them out in front of the media occasionally, which happened Wednesday in D.C. Uh, yep. rather infamously. But um, I was going to say to you that since Governor Evers is the second Democrat governor I've dealt with, <clears throat> it may not be credible to them 
But I can say that each governor has a different style and their administrations do. There's an administration that doesn't like, abhors leaks. And so they do tend to tell people things at the last minute. It's true. And right down to the not telling you the uh, not that, that when you had to be sworn in, that's exactly the way that the, the administration operates, because they think the less time there is, the less likely there is to be a leak. And so but I understand the other side will never believe that and will believe that something nefarious took place. But I liked in, when you became treasurer, how you were curious and shared with us on Battleground Wisconsin, the inside, what it was really like and what condition it was in. And I knew the Secretary of State's office a little in the 90s because I was uh, did a lot with Doug LaFollette when he had staff. And so it has a lot of weird functions. But I'm wondering, um, what is uh, what what surprised you the most? I mean, you knew something going in and you're a very engaged citizen. But is there anything that really jumped out at you like, oh, well, this is weird. How could this be? Yeah, I mean, I will say probably something that I had no idea about about Robert that I'm actually excited about is, as I mentioned, there's this unique connection to the State Department. And when I showed up to the Secretaries of State Conference this summer, and it was the first time Wisconsin had shown up, I was told, in two decades. So we were getting a round of applause and people were pinching us to see if Wisconsin really existed. But they have a foreign affairs committee. And what secretaries and other states were doing is advocating for their state internationally by doing like by Delaware or by Michigan or by Minnesota. And we're doing great work supporting their local businesses, union businesses, their workers. And we have never done that. We weren't at the table. And so um, for me, I think this is like a real opportunity for us to promote our workers and to promote all the great things Wisconsin has to offer to help us continue to build strong economies right here in Wisconsin. So that was something, Robert, that I um, did not know about. And so walking into this office, I was like, huh, we can maybe do something with this. Was well, there anything you told us about weird conditions left by the former Republican treasurer? Was the what kind of shape was the office? And I know they that Douglas Fall had been relegated to the basement uh, towards the end of his long career as Secretary of State. But uh, what was the what were the conditions like? I mean, I like to call it Robert the Garden level. So let's uh, you know uh, <laughs> the foundation in the Capitol. But um, I mean, look, we know that. After Act 10, when Doug refused to sign it, um, they didn't take away responsibilities. They took away budget. And so there's still all the things that need to be done, but they're basically these unfunded mandates. And one of them that we're working really diligently on is our records. I mean, we now have hundreds of thousands of documents we are digitizing because we want to make it easy for citizens to be able to go online, search for what they need from government so they can have it. Um, but we are unfortunately still stuck in the 20th century with you got to come through the archives and like look through those kind of things. And so um, that is part of, for example, this modernization effort that we know will um, improve transparency. Well, Sarah, Secretary of State, I want to thank you for coming on. And we're we're at our time and I know you have to get going, but I do want to preview for our listeners um, we are going to be doing hopefully a series of events with the Secretary of State around not only just educating about what the office does, but what's 
what's been going on and how these folks have been going after the, her and the office and how it's connected to the broader effort, certainly against the Supreme Court justice and just, you know, uh, what we would describe as outside the norms of a functioning democracy. So um, look forward to that. You can expect those in the regions we have co-ops. So like Green Bay, La Crosse, Eau Claire, look forward to seeing those down the road. Sarah, thank you so much for taking the time to join us, but mostly for taking on this responsibility and and leading and leading with the orientation that you do, wanting to come out and educate the public and make sure that the progressive movement gets involved in its democracy. Thank you. Well, thanks for having me, guys. I look forward to hopefully visiting a co-op in your neighborhood soon, and we can talk more about democracy and all the other work that we're doing. So- it's going to be very it's going to be very exciting thank you for taking the time i know you got to get to a meeting folks um we will announce on the show as these uh, meetings get scheduled but uh definitely look forward to them we look forward to it thank you again secretary thanks guys bye-bye and with that folks we got to take a break you're listening to the battleground wisconsin welcome back to the battleground wisconsin we want to thank Secretary of State Sarah Godlewski for joining us to talk about the office, the effort to just basically harass and continue to go after the office's even its existence. Um, So we appreciate that. But um, do want to get back. We have one more segment to talk in Robert. um, Oh, listeners, Robert spent last night watching the Republican presidential debate we all watched the first one because it was here in milwaukee there was a lot of fanfare you know but the second was anyone watching robert will it will it make a difference but robert you watched please give our listeners who hopefully didn't go through the same punishment the highlights or lowlights well, and it was this was the Fox business version, but it was also on Fox National. So I'm sure someone was watching. Um, but um, it was uh, chaired by the as far as the questioner, Stuart Varney, uh, who I dealt with. I think I was on the show eight or nine times during Act 10. So uh, I, I know Mr. Varney, what he's like. Uh, but let me just say, first of all, you said it gave violence that get violence the term presidential it also does violence the term debate it's unfair to call this a debate some kind of weird joint media appearance between uh fighting adolescents because that was the level of the uh, conversation and the counter accusation sometimes so i mean the obvious big news is is that none of the minnows in this race showed any kind of traction that would think they're going to take down the, the 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 big tuna that would be trump um, but I will say that Nikki Haley has positioned herself well, and I would consider her dangerous, say Trump was out of commission for some reason, unlikely to be convicted and jailed in time, but don't know what his health's going to be. There are other things that could happen, right? And I think in some ways, a Nikki Haley could be much more dangerous because every from everything we know, she, yeah, she will not execute the January 6th conspiracy. She will not have an armed rebellion, but she and far-right conservatives will take all of the elements of democracy away, will do gerrymandering, will do massive voter suppression, will pack the Supreme Court. 
and more credibly, so it still looks like a, fa a democracy, right? That can be sold as a democracy. So I think in a, in a way, having a President Haley, it might be more dangerous. And she certainly, as you point out, Matt, more dangerous in terms of a general election against a Biden than Trump, though they're both dangerous um, uh, uh, in this race because of the nature of Wisconsin, of American politics right now, what the right has done to uh, pollute it and destroy any what was left of public discourse. But I will say the other thing about this is there was just a series of delusional positions they agree on. So inflation was caused by the massive spending in the Biden administration. This is not a factual statement economically at all, um, though you did get a few that wanted to attack Trump spending. That won't land, uh, but not all of them. Uh, apparently, the, the whole UAW strike is conspiracy of evil union bosses, you know, like there's some powerful union bosses in smoke-filled rooms controlling anything anymore. Uh, every, everyone agrees there's a border crisis and has no real immigration reform solutions, which means that they are perpetuating the crisis they politically benefit from so they can cause division and hate on people, right? That is, they don't want it to be solved and they are the block, so that continues. Uh, we had other low lights, such as the Workforce Development Benefits of Slavery, that's Ron DeSantis, uh, dehumanizing trans people, that is uh, Vivek uh, Ramaswamy, getting rid of birthright citizenship, in the 14th Amendment, that is Devek Ramaswani, though do his discredit. Senator Scott, a black man, did not discredit that and said it was designed to protect, to, to end slavery, which would suggest there might be a way to prevent uh, people who are, who, who children are born from this country from being citizens, despite the plain language of the 14th Amendment. Uh, I could go on and on. It was. I think I'm going to ask to end it there we that was a wonderful sampling robert that was amazing but i think the point is well established um these you described them as minnows trump since the first debate that all three of us watched has only increased his lead by i believe like 10 points that's significant President Biden continues to actually go down, and it's a problem of both the division in the country, so a highly mobilized base against him, but softness within his own party, right, related to his age. And I'll just say it. Let's remember. Look, I think Biden's been the most – I've said this before, I believe, on the show. I think Biden's been the most successful Democratic president of my lifetime. That being said – um, the party's changed radically. We've talked about it on the show and its constituency is very different. And what the public wants, including independents want, is very different. And Biden has moved, but he certainly hasn't moved to reflect our base. And so there's softness there along with the fact that he's he is very old. And I think that has people concerned, right, at some level, whether that's fair or not. And then the last thing, let's remember, he was a he was the definition of a compromise coalition candidate for the Dem Party. This guy was nowhere, nowhere until South Carolina, right? And then all of a sudden, within two weeks, he's the Democratic nominee, right? And it was because everyone else was afraid, I would call it the corporatists and the you know institutionalists and the moderates of, quote, the Bernie threat or the, quote, progressive threat. And so it all happened overnight. 
but he moved after that and changed a little bit from who he was. So it's a, we're in a complicated moment. And I think um, you see that because it seems like there is no way it's not going to be Biden and Trump, even though it seems like if you ask a majority of people would love to have others. It's just, there's no pathway for that happening. So we'll continue to talk about that. But before we go, Priscilla, I want you to start the conversation and Robert, obviously give you an opportunity to respond, but like big news this week, national office of gun violence prevention announced uh, last week that Joe, uh, uh, well, Priscilla, let me, you tell us the big news around gun violence prevention, an issue near and dear to you. Yeah, um, I'm actually going to give this credit to Gen Z's own Maxwell Frost and March for Our Lives. Uh, They've been working on this since March for Our Lives started in 2019. Uh, We finally have a National Office of Gun Violence Prevention from the White House, which uh, will, will start being able to have like a real strategy on ending gun violence and gun deaths in in the country uh and we'll have a president who uh is is actively listening uh since we know that congress is not quite listening uh on this on this piece um and the federal government is gonna you know get involved we might see some some movement um it's it's finally you know it's finally happening and i just i'm so proud of all of the march for our lives organizers who have been in this fight since since uh back in 2019 uh 2018 on valentine's day uh down in parkland florida um so mm-hmm. it's it's a big it's a big deal and it's just it's so good to see that like all right biden you are listening you're hearing that like something needs to be done. You're acknowledging that it's not going to happen through Congress. You're finally acknowledging that like you are the president and you can do something. So it was a big week. And I'm just very proud of, of those. I also want to give a really quick shout out to some of my own March for Our Lives organizers of Linnea Stanton and Tatiana Washington uh, here in Wisconsin. Uh, but just so proud of, of March for Our Lives and Maxwell Frost. Well, I appreciate that you put it in that context because... Robert often, geez, I think he's been saying this ever since we started the show in the uprising. It's one thing to have like a moment, but if you don't organize and build structure and organization like March for Our Lives, get engaged in a way, it's hard to create the kind of sustainable movement necessary to like break through entrenched bureaucracy. And this is an effort. It's it's a modest but important effort. And it didn't happen just because Biden woke up one day is like, we should do this. It's a lot of organizing on the ground. It's a lot of us. It's a lot of people getting engaged and new people. Robert. Yeah. I think this goes back to what I was saying about strategy. First of all, the only thing that makes any change given our system is getting off the sidelines and, and being extremely active and smart about it over time and insistent. And everyone who wants to just be on social media or just listen to cable talk shows and think they're on the right side and say someone else should do the right thing, they will not. Unless, as Franklin Delano Roosevelt said, you need to make me do it. Translation of that is the politics need to work. Now, I will say I would give President Biden more credit on gun safety. He did everything he could to get Congress to take it up. 
um, after several big mass shootings. And this is very limited. There's very little limited power the president has. We cannot overpromise people. They will be disappointed. So this is like some of the early steps in civil rights movement. They were small, but they were a breakthrough, kind of like the initial regulation of pharma negotiating for prices for just 10 drugs wasn't isn't huge in and of itself, but it, it breaks through a dam and we need to continue. But we need to win this election, have a vote, a gun safety majority. And so this is a step in that process. And I would just say that, you know, I there has not been a president in quite some time since the the the, the glow of 9-11 and the and the and the allegedly glorious Iraq war that of course went very bad when a president's been very popular. And so I think the new normal is presidents have low approval ratings. I think Biden's approval ratings being overstated. And furthermore, Reagan, Clinton, and Obama were in a similar polling position at this point in their terms. This is also very natural for a president going into his election year. But it's gotten worse because of what the right has done to politics to trash it. And I don't think we're going to have a president ever again with a 70% approval rating or a 60. And we got to get used to it. And so, and not make it a reality by going on and on about how Biden is flawed and therefore well, lose. That becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy. I look by forward to talking. Show. I look forward to talking more about this. Robert is arguing a 41% approval rating is nothing to worry about. I would argue it is. Uh, I do share. I do think it will naturally go up, but like 41. Um, okay. Look forward to talking more about that. I think I think we just have to be honest about what we're seeing, as confounding as it may be, um, and not just ignore it. Um, so, but it's a great conversation. I appreciate everyone's uh, just you know great discussion on the show. Um, I do got a note here, and it, I need to read this because we just got it. It looks like there is going to be a public hearing in the assembly on the Brewer stadium on the assembly plan next Thursday, October 5th at 11 AM at the state fair park expo center. Our next show, this will have already happened. So please share this. I said there was going to be no stadium talk. Well, there just is. I'm closing with this again, next Thursday, October 5th public hearing on the absolutely God awful Robin Voss stadium plan. Please turn out voice your opposition at the state fair park expo center next thursday october 5th folks we got to wrap up this podcast i want to thank secretary of state sarah dabluski for joining us and educating us as to what she's been experiencing since agreeing to take over that office um and of course i want to thank our producer brian wilbridge who makes the show happen every week uh, we will look forward to our conversation next week here at the battleground wisconsin and again please join citizen action We'll have a link there. Go hit it. Click it. Donate. Join. Get involved. Get off the bench. See you next week.